0: Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Greg Wells, and this is my podcast. I'm a scientist, a physiologist, an author, and I love exploring how to live a high-performance life. In my books, my presentations, and this podcast, I am doing my best to translate hard science and powerful experiences into actionable, effective life performance strategies. Using the latest research on the brain and the body, this podcast will show you simple but transformative strategies that boost mental and physical health advance careers and upgrade lives. I am committed to changing one life at a time for the better. I want to focus on health, happiness, and performance. And I call my mission, the billion person problem. And I don't kid myself that I'm going to reach a billion people, but that's the dream and the space where my passion, my expertise, and my practices all come together. My passion is to help people live healthier and more impactful lives. My expertise lies in the research that I both try to conduct and engage in for a living. And my practice is devoted to providing evidence-based insights and strategies that make it possible to achieve personal and professional success. And that is what this podcast is all about. I hope that you love the show and it makes a big difference in your life. Let me know what you think on Twitter at Dr. Greg Wells. And without any further delays, let's dive into this episode of the Dr. Greg Wells podcast. Hey everyone, hope you're doing great. Uh, I am recording this outside of an airport and so I apologize if a plane goes by in the background and screws up the sound, although there is a cricket right next to me making a lot of noise that might even be worse. Anyway, today's conversation is with the incredible Tamsin Webster. Tamsin and I get into all sorts of information about how you can create an idea and turn it into action, really deep into, uh, behavior change, which was really interesting because ideas are worthless unless you actually act on them. So I've been kind of fascinated by that lately. Here's her bio. As the idea whisperer, Tamson helps people find, build and tell the stories of their ideas using their red thread, the universal but unique tie between how we see the world and what we do in it. Tamson's own red thread weaves through her 20 years as a brand and message strategist, though she says she learned the most about inspiring change as a Weight Watchers leader. As a TEDx executive producer, Tamsin coached experts, iconoclasts, and pioneers from around the world to build their red threads into ideas worth spreading and more than 9 million YouTube views. today's Today, she's a globe-hopping keynote speaker on storytelling, branding, change management, and idea development, and a go-to consultant for enterprise companies like Verizon and Johnson & Johnson. Tamson lives in Boston, which is where I caught her on this conversation, and I had a blast. This was super insightful and very helpful and very tactical. I hope that you enjoy it, and let's dive right into my conversation with Tamson Webster. Tamson, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so
1: much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: So um, where am I catching you right now? Where, where are you at? I
1: am in Boston, which is not sunny today, but uh, it's not as hot as it has been. So I will take it. <laughs> it's a right late That's summer. Awesome. It's nice that we have an almost pre-fall day
0: that's, that's really cool. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you're up to in terms of your professional work. What is you capturing your attention right now? What is the deepest passion that you're working on? Uh, obviously I've seen you speak, so I'm, I'm familiar with your work, but just would love for everyone to hear about what you're, what your deep passions are and and what you're really digging deep into oh, these sure.
1: days. Oh, yay. <laughs> what a fun question to answer. Um, so what I'm really excited about right now and really digging deep into is what is it that gets someone to uh, say yes to a long-term change? Uh, these I, I spend mm-hmm. a lot of time in the world of ideas. I mean, that's the work that I do with individuals and companies to help them help make their ideas stronger you know, strong enough to build whatever they need to build on them, like whether that's a business or a talk or a book. Um, And I also work as the idea strategist for TEDx Cambridge, which is uh, the oldest uh, TEDx locally organized TEDx event in the world. And so I spend a lot of time with ideas and these ideas are really important. And yet sometimes uh, these wonderful ideas don't create the change that they deserve to create. And so this has just really gotten me very interested in what is it that, people have to hear, not so much what do you have to say to get someone to make a change, but what do people have to hear before they themselves are willing to make a change? And uh, that's where I've been just having a great time uh, exploring and figuring things out and figuring out how to articulate that in a way that makes it work, because I think there is a very clear answer to it.
0: So here's, an, uh, here's a thought for you. Um, we hear great ideas and they're inspiring when we hear them. What is it that's necessary for us to be able to take an idea that we find interesting, that we that we want to act on, and actually make it something that works for us in our lives? How do we do that?
1: So there's a couple of things we have to understand actually about how we make that decision to act or to change in the first place. And uh, I, th- I think one of the most important things to realize is that you, conscious you, is really not making that decision at all. Your brain is. Uh, Harvard Business School Professor Gerald Zaltman says that 95% of our decision making is unconscious. Uh, and while that can throw you for a loop if you believe in free will and all of that, which does exist by the way, but your brain is free to make some changes, choices all on its own. And what it's really looking for, uh, I have found, or the way I like to think about it is three things. Uh, And what your brain is looking for is whether or not this action gives you something that you want. Second, does it, is it consistent with what you believe? And third, does it validate a really important sense of self for you? Um, And that third one, as it turns out, is actually the most important. I mean, because the other two are fairly obvious. Why they wouldn't you wouldn't stick with something long term? I mean, if you don't really want to do it, you're you're not going to do it. Uh, you're you're just not going to do it long term. I like to say that you know, for instance, with folks in health, you know, that whole thirty is thirty for a reason because after day five, you're willing to like trade your firstborn for a piece of cake. Um, yeah. And you know, if we don't believe something, you know, we may start it, but if we don't if we don't eventually see something that actually confirms our beliefs, we're not going to stick with it either. And so it's that last one that's really turns out to be key.
0: Now I prepared for an attempted an Ironman recently. Um, ultimately it didn't go very well, but that's another conversation for another show. And about three months before the event, uh, I was busy and I'm doing speaking and trying to write a book and, you know, deal with my family and, and training and just struggling. And I had a conversation with my coach, uh, And uh, I was explaining all of this to him. And he said, you you just need to stop talking and uh, understand one core thing. The one core thing that you need to understand is that you are an athlete. And as soon as you who you are, you are an athlete is aligned with what you do on a daily basis training, Mm. then all of a sudden, you're going to be able to train, you're going to be able to fit this into your life, it's no longer going to be a Mm -hmm. stress, it's going to be something that you just get done. And that was so fundamental in changing my approach and making everything begin to work. Unfortunately, I didn't have enough time for the the training to, to have a, to sink into my system. So we'll try again next year, but mm-hmm. does that fit into number three? Is that, is that what I was experiencing Absolutely. there? Absolutely. Okay. Right.
1: Be- yeah. A hundred percent. So the, 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 the analogy I would draw is so I I've primarily been in marketing brand and message strategy for, for 20 years, but um, for 15 of those years, I was also in my spare time, um, a, a, what's called a leader and a receptionist for Weight Watchers. And uh, I was in that role because uh, 20 years ago now, I lost 50 pounds and I have maintained that 50 pound weight loss through those 20 years and two kids. Um, and so I wanted to give back. And so I, I wanted to kind of help other people to make this this permanent change that I had made. And there was something that I noticed that was really fascinating because I, I get a question a lot like, well, what, what makes people successful? Like, what's the secret? Like, what, you know, what did you figure out? And it's like, well, you know, I don't know that I figured out anything, you know, specific because I think what works for one person isn't always going to work for somebody else. But there was a through line of the folks that I saw that tended to be more successful. Um, and the opposite, you know, of that through line was what, what I saw consistently in people who were not as successful. And so here's what I saw. What I saw was that the people who were more successful, uh, much like you just said that, you know, you are an athlete, the people who were more successful were the people who already saw themselves as, you know, I like to frame it as smart, capable, and good. And for them, the fact that they were not, you know, they didn't feel or look on the outside the way they wanted to, um, that 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 wasn't, it was like the outside didn't match the inside. And so for them, losing weight was consistent. It validated that, that belief that they were smart, capable, and good. It was the right thing to do because that's what, you know, that's, that's what they, that's how they saw themselves. The people who struggled were generally those people who believed that they would be smart, capable, and good, uh, or attractive or whatever when they lost weight. And that meant that, completely counterintuitively that the very act of losing weight violated a fundamental belief about themselves, that they weren't the kind of person that did that. They weren't the kind of person who was successful at that. And, and so, you know, so for the people who walked in the door already feeling, Hey, I'm already smart and capable and good and attractive and all of this. And I just need to make the outside match the inside. They were the ones who are usually more immediately successful. And for the folks that had that, who didn't yet have that belief that who they are already was enough. um, That was the longer term work that, that we needed to do. And what was amazing was that it was possible for them to get to that place where they would say, no, wait, wait a minute. I I am, uh, you know, I've got these skills, I've got these abilities, I've got this intelligence and, and I can, I can put that in play. And it was once we were able to, to find the places where they felt that they were smart, capable and good and apply it to this situation. That's when things started to change for them and change long-term.
0: Wow. That's really interesting. So one of the ideas that I've been playing with is, well, there's two uh, process, not outcome. Mm -hmm. So working on daily routines rather than obviously they need to be in alignment with where you're going, but that what you do on a daily basis is more important than the outcome. Mm -hmm. But also that, um, which leads into, I think, what you were trying to say, which is that uh, you don't get a lifestyle once you're successful. You're successful because you have a certain lifestyle. So people think like, once I have a million dollars, then I'll be able to relax and go to the beach. Well, it, it's actually when you relax, recover, regenerate, and go to the beach, you get new ideas that earn you a million dollars. So is that along the lines of what your of what your of what your discoveries were? Does that make sense? Yes
1: absolutely i mean so to the first to the first point this process versus outcome uh yes i mean the 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 fundamental thing that i've really discovered as i've been diving into this idea of what creates long-term change or as i like to call it like what gets what gets the green light in your head to like go on and stay on um that this there's this fundamental truth um that well the first thing is to say is that that Uh, there's a big difference between action and change. There's a big difference between getting that green light to go on one time and getting it to stay on. And so as you're talking about this lifestyle piece, actually, which you mentioned second, like that's actually what has to happen. We have to get that light to go on and stay on in order for you to get sustained results for something. But the the challenge is that um, that a lot of times the things that we're doing to try to achieve change uh, fundamentally can't create change. Uh, most of the times, because we're trying to take steps that are so extreme or so outside of who we are, or who we see, our, see ourselves to be, that it creates kind of um, emotional pain. Um, so this, this thing that I kind of mentioned in passing, the fact that we're smart, capable and good, um, that's a fundamental human need to be, to be seen as smart, capable and good. Um, we want to be smart, capable, and good. We believe that we're smart, capable, and good. And even if we don't fully believe it, like I said, we want to be seen as smart, capable, and good. The the challenges arise, of course, because we don't always act that way. Um, And the gap between I am a smart, capable, good person who is not doing a smart, capable, good thing um, is so intolerable to us. Uh, It creates such mental pain that we will do extraordinary things mentally to to resolve that gap, uh, to, to make that pain go away. And, and the the thing that's really important to understand here is what that, what that turns into, what that means is that pain in any form is the enemy of long-term change.
0: Whoa, really? Because that's, um, I'm not surprised, but that's, I've been hearing that pain is what actually gets people to change. Yeah, you're saying it's what gets
1: them to act. It's not what gets Ah. them to change. You see, you can get someone started with a little bit of pain. Absolutely. I mean, how did you learn to touch a hot stove? You touched it once, right? You did not keep your hand on it. I mean, we will not continue to do something that is fundamentally painful for us to 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 do. Okay. So that means one of two things will happen. We'll either stop doing it, right? So this is back to like whole thirty, like it sucks after day five, and so you're like, no, get me after, let me get me off of it because it's so extreme that it's. It is difficult to maintain. It's painful to maintain it. Um, or we will find a way to, uh, to anchor on a different belief that makes it not painful to continue to do that thing. So this is what you're talking about with your coach who said you're, you are an athlete, which means if you don't think you're an athlete, doing, doing all the training of an athlete, it's gonna be really, really painful because you're mm-hmm. like, I'm not this person. What the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this? This is crazy. But as soon as you think of yourself as an athlete, then those behaviors then become consistent with that belief. And so this is what I'm saying. And I think, I think you're right. A lot of people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like doesn't pain work? It does to drive action, but we won't continue to do something that hurts. And so we actually have to figure out what is necessary to relieve the pain of an action long-term. And that can be something big, like, yeah, it can be something big, like shifting identity, but it can actually be something really small. So you know, when I back in my days as a weight watcher leader, I would often see people try to take these really drastic changes because they wanted to lose weight. And so they would say, okay, well, I used to drink three venti frappuccinos every day. And now I'm going to like, I'm going to go cold turkey on coffee. Like I'm not going to take, I'm not going to drink anything. And that's, I mean, if you've been drinking three venti frappuccinos a day, like that, is that's part of who you are? Like to just yep. stop doing that's really painful. So it's really you know in that case we were just like, well, can we go to two ventis a day, or can we go from like a fenty to a grande, um, just to step it back so that you can create so that you can make that change without pain, because the extent to which you can create a change without pain, the more likely you are to maintain that change.
0: All right, so making change without pain and bringing your Actions in alignment with your goals is the way to make this happen long term. Am I hearing that correctly?
1: Yes. So I think it's make sure that you've identified clearly something that you want and that you're not gonna readily unwant. Right. So it needs to be anchored to something that you that you want and is strong enough that if if tested, you're like, you're gonna say, no, 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 I still want that. Um, I still want whatever you think is gonna happen as a result. Second this new behavior that you're asking of yourself needs to be, and this is the counterintuitive part, consistent with what you believe already. So that means sometimes that we have to figure out, um, uh, because ultimately in order for us to get that green light to stay on, whatever we're doing has to validate both things. We have to believe that it's going to get us what we want and it has to be consistent with what we already believe. And so what's important to understand is that back to that basic human need I was talking about that, you know, that want, uh, that want or belief to be smart, capable and good. That one is actually the, is the dominant belief of kind of all human action. In other words, that if you can bring that belief into play, that, that, that whatever you're asking of yourself is consistent with how you are already smart, capable and good, you're much more likely to make that change.
0: Got it. That's making a lot more sense to me. Does learning about a certain topic unlock or open up the possibility of shifting your beliefs so that new things become possible that weren't possible before?
1: 100%. Okay.
0: Um,
1: and absolutely. Uh, but a lot of times that has to do with how are you introduced to that information? So I think we've all been in in a situation where someone says, well, what you believed about that is totally wrong, right? And when it's presented to us that way, then we have a very natural reaction, which is to reject that information. In fact, there's a name for that. You're probably familiar with it. It's called the Semmelweis reflex, which is our tendency to reject new information simply because it conflicts with what we believe to be true. So what I have found by that, and this is kind of the, the work, when I'm working with companies and individuals on, on their message, what I found is the, is the way to, to circumvent that to some extent is to frame what somebody is currently doing in such a way that you can add a new perspective to it. That's still consistent with what they've been doing. So here, here's what I mean about that. For instance, um, Let's say that I'm talking to some fellow speakers about an idea that they want to get across to people, um, and I can say, you know, it makes sense. Uh, you know, you really want so here's the want. You really want to make sure that people hear and act on this incredible idea that you've got. And people say, yes, that's that's absolutely. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't want that. That's yes, that's the thing that I want. Now, the second piece is to kind of introduce to them, you know, the this. Okay, well. You know, an early stage of how are we going to get them to do something different, but we have to do this without attacking what they're doing right now. And what I found, because that introduces pain, right? If you attack mm-hmm. what they're doing yep. right now, that introduces pain. So what you can do, what I found is useful, is this is where technique you're, I'm sure, very familiar with comes into play, which is simply reframing, which is reframing the perspective of how they've been approaching it in a way that allows you to introduce a new, consistent perspective. So for, so I'll explain that. So. Um, If you want to share your idea so that people act on it, really kind of spread your idea, transplant it into other people's head, you know, the the challenge comes because a lot of times when we're trying to figure that out, especially speakers, speakers really focus on what is it that they're trying to say? What is it that I need to say in order for people to act on it? But if you really think about it, there's two people in this equation, right? There's who you're who you as the person who's talking and what you say is is incredibly important, but there's somebody on the other side of that, right? And they need to hear certain things too. Because ultimately, like, wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't something that you believe to be true is that if they don't hear what they need to hear in order to change, they simply can't. So that means that when we're really trying to figure out how to transfer an idea. We need to make sure that we are shaping what we say into a format that that puts first and foremost, that prioritizes what people need to hear about our idea first. Well, you know, so you see what I did there was, let's start, well, I started with something that they wanted. Second was introduced a, a framing on their perspective that was consistent with how they do it. Like, yeah, I do. I, I need to focus on what I'm going to say. Introduced mm-hmm. a new piece of information that was consistent with that. So you're focusing on what you say and there's somebody on the other end of that. And there's something they need to hear. Then I introduced a belief that was consistent with what, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking a guess, but I think most people would believe that if somebody doesn't hear what they need to hear about an idea, they're not gonna act on it, which allows them essentially to come to my conclusion that if they really want an idea to spread, they need to start incorporating that other person's perspective into how they think about what they say. So, and by doing it that way, by kind of starting with what they want, naming and framing their perspective in a way that is that acknowledges that they're smart, capable, and good, that acknowledges there's a good reason why they're looking at it that way, and then introduces a, 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 a uh, complementary perspective, which does create tension if they don't incorporate it, right? But if they do incorporate it, then it's, then it's really consistent with the way they believe, kind of cement that new perspective with something else that is consistent with what they believe, And then, like I said, that allows them to lead, you know, that allows them to come come to their own conclusion about your change.
0: Really interesting. So this is a lot around personal beliefs and enabling us to use those personal beliefs to make ourselves better and potentially to help other people as well. And not just our own personal beliefs, but their personal beliefs. Does this get into, or how does personal narrative come into this, like what we, the stories that we tell ourselves, our internal chatter, mm. um, our internal self-talk, how does that play a role? And the reason why I ask you this is because the uh, Ironman is a 4k swimmer in, in a 180k bike. And for the last 90k of that 180k bike on the weekend, there was some very interesting personal discussions going on inside my brain for three mm. hours. Okay. Um, which has awoken, reawakened me to what I say to myself about certain things. Sometimes positive, and sometimes not so much. So, so I'm interested in personal beliefs, um, stories that we tell ourselves, and how we can maybe um, use that to make our lives and other people's lives a little bit better. If that makes any Absolutely. sense at all.
1: So those come; those are uh, completely consistent. So, uh, so first of all, the personal narrative that you're talking about is the story that we tell ourselves in order to close that gap between I'm a smart, capable, good person who is not acting smart, capable and good right now. (laughs) Right. So, um, uh, or is reaffirming that what we're doing is like, yeah, you're killing this because you're awesome. Right. Or if you're struggling, then you're like, well, that's okay that you're struggling because you, you were this, like, you're not this, you haven't done this, you're whatever. And even though we're beating ourselves up, the actual underlying desire there is to, is to, is to kind of make ourselves somehow justify the, the, the result that's happening. Um, and so that narrative is really important. Uh, and, and that what, I'm, what we're talking about with this kind of process of, you know, I call it the red thread, which is how do you find the, this through line? How do you, uh, what's this, this case for an idea? Um, it essentially is that case that you tell yourself, or if you're talking about how to develop it for somebody else, you're really building their case for your idea, your change. You're trying to figure out based on what they want and what they believe already what is the story that they will tell themselves about this? And what you're what you're creating is the, is a story that is is designed to fit right into that uber belief that we've already been talking about that they are smart, capable, and good. So when you're thinking about how to use this narrative idea to either kind of get yourself to do something different or somebody else, um, it really comes back to thinking about what what can, how can you tie a behavior that you're trying to create to something that they already want? And, and this is a little counterintuitive because a lot of times we try to say, well, you know, you should want this other thing that you don't have right now, but that's a, that's a much weaker want than something that somebody is already pursuing. So how can you anchor this in something that you already want? in other words, if you're trying to figure out, oh, how do I quit smoking? They, yeah, you want to quit smoking, but that's, that's a, that's a negative want. There's probably a positive want that you can likely link it to, for instance. Um, I want to be a good parent. Um, I want to make sure that I'm setting a good example. Like, again, the more that you can tie that want into that smart, capable, good belief, the better. Second thing with that is then, okay, you need to figure out how can you justify your, to yourself why, to this point, that the behavior that you're taking you know, make sense. You need to give yourself a break. You need to say, you know what? Well, it made sense that I was, you know, that I was smoking, um, because, uh, I was feeling this about myself. Um, but yet I know it also to be true that this other thing is also true about myself, that maybe I haven't been able to, um, smoke, you know, I haven't been able to quit smoking because I've really been focusing on smoking as a release, but, Huh, if I look at this other par- par- part of my life, I'm actually really good at implementing systems, let's say. So, if I believe that, and I can say, well, if I can look at quitting smoking as a system to implement, and I know I'm really good at implementing a system, and that's the best way for me to achieve this thing that I really want, well, then that makes that change a lot easier to happen. So, it's really about just how can you, you know, really think about reframing this you know what you want what what you want either for yourself or for somebody else so this lens of first how does it align with something they already want second how does it align with something they already believe third how can you introduce new information in a way that is consistent and validates both what they want and believe and then if you really want kind of like free bonus points the more that you can can uh activate that uber want and uber belief about being smart capable and good the much more likely that that change is going to, A, make sense on a rational level, but also make sense emotionally. And it's really that emotional piece that's going to get it to stick long-term.
0: Love it. And so this is my final question because I'm sensitive to your time. Um, But I do want to get this last one in because I'm curious. You talked about a positive want versus a negative want. So I want to quit smoking versus I want to be healthy, for example. Can you expand on the power of the positive want? Because I think that... I certainly have had the tendency to do negative wants, but obviously the positive wants are the ones that end up being more powerful. So curious ab- about your thoughts on that.
1: Sure. So my, this again, I, I do joke, but it's not a joke at all that everything I ever learned about change, I learned through Weight Watchers in one way or another. Um, between that and marketing, yeah. <laughs> You learn kind of a lot. Um, But the way that I always think about the difference between a negative want and a positive want is that a negative want tells you what to stop doing, but it doesn't give you any any indication of where to go next. Hmm. Um, And because if you don't know where to go next, you've now thrown yourself into not smart, not capable, not good, because a smart, capable, good person would know where to go next. You've kind of, by putting up a negative want, you've activated, you've activated that pain. You've activated that uber pain, right? Because the flip side of this uber want, this kind of meta want of smart, capable, and good is this, the meta pain of not being that. So a negative want really activates that um, because it doesn't show you a path forward. So what I found is that a positive want, once you say, well, this is what I want, then it allows you to say, well, what do I need to do to get there? And it allows you to kind of directionally say, well, if this is what I want, and again, this is where the belief piece comes in. And if I can, you know, if I believe this about myself, then how can I put those two things together to get this thing that helps me move forward? So for me, like a positive want really, uh, it just goes, it goes back to those three things I was saying before that your brain is deciding to do something, whether or not, you know, you want it, you believe it, and it validates the other two. Um, and so a positive want is one of those things that just, it, it, it is much more likely to validate everything about yourself than if I say, well, we should, I should stop this. I should stop eating this. I should stop thinking this. I should stop doing this because it just, those kinds of wants just leave you with, okay, I need to stop it, but I don't know what else to do. And we, we have to feel like we have the power and the capability that's the capable part to be able to act on something. And only a positive want gives you a path to action.
0: Amazing. So good. Thank you so much for those insights. What is next up on your schedule, your big projects? What are, what's the next big thing that you're working on?
1: So um, I'm kind of finally unleashing the, the keynote talk and the workshops and, and training I do around these ideas kind of to the world starting, starting this fall in September at Content Marketing World in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, but I'm also working uh, on a book for publication next summer that's on the red thread, which is, as I mentioned before, it's that process of building these narratives, building these cases, these stories that people will tell themselves.
0: Very cool. Congrats. How do people Thanks. get in touch with you or follow you online?
1: Sure. Uh, they can find me at TamsinWebster.com. com. Uh, I um, am active on all social platforms, but probably most present on uh, Instagram and Facebook, where I am Tamsin Webster on both. Uh, and that's the best way to get in touch. But I think uh, I would encourage people to f- uh, sign up for my newsletter, which you can get to from my website, because that's where uh, I send out information every week on how to put some of these things in practice and also. Uh, supply extra little goodies in the form of what I call the swipe file that help you um, draw, uh, give you additional support for making these cases to other people. So stories, research studies, all that other kind of fun stuff.
0: Amazing. Tamson. thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. This is super helpful. It was very much a Greg Wells therapy session. So I hope I didn't go too off the rails there, but I really appreciate all your insights. That was fantastic. Uh, Delighted. And I, I hope it was useful to your listeners. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you joining me for this episode of the podcast. Your time is incredibly valuable and spending it with me is just mind-blowing. I thank you so much for doing that. It's great. If you want to support the show, if you enjoyed that segment and you want more, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and on Google Play. That makes a huge difference for us. And then also, if you can let me know what you think, All of my social media are at Dr. Greg Wells. And of course, if you can share this with anyone in your network, it would be greatly appreciated as well. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you again really, really soon.